As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. Sometimes you can get one track minded and get yourself deeper in a hole. And sometimes it's just better to move on or find a different way. How great would it be to buy a piece of institutional quality income producing commercial buildings? Well, now you can with Building Bits. It's not a REIT or a fund. Building Bits is a new platform for non-accredited investors where virtually anyone, regardless of income, can select a building lease to a major corporation with a guaranteed long-term lease. You can now invest in the same quality assets, which have previously only been available to institutions and wealthy individuals. Once you choose your building on BuildingBits.com, you can invest as little as $500 and receive your share of the rents while Building Bits' team of real estate pros handles all the management aspects of the building. For the first time, the big corporations in America can actually start paying you. And when the building is sold in the future, the potential appreciation is redistributed to everyone so you don't just get the rental income, but also share in the upside. Best of all, since these securities are SEC qualified, they are freely tradable immediately. The $500 minimum with no upfront fees is available for a limited time. There are great properties available nationwide with major tenants, so don't wait. Go to buybits.us today and pick your property before they're all sold out of their current inventory. That's buybits.us. That's buy, B-U-I, bits, B-I-T-S, dot U-S. The SEC offering circular is available at buildingbits.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Ryan Nash. How you doing, Ryan? I'm well. How are you, Joe? I'm doing well and looking forward to our conversation. A little bit about Ryan. He is a real estate investor and he has been one since 2006. He's flipped 18 properties in Cincinnati, Ohio since then. And he flipped five of them last year. He's a licensed realtor and he has handled 35 purchase and listing transactions. As I mentioned, he's based in Cincinnati, Ohio. So with that being said, Ryan, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Okay. I would have to say, and thanks for having me on here. Gosh, my background is actually a lot of sales. I was selling Oh, just various forms of construction. So I was always in outside sales since 2006. And it wasn't until 2016 that I quit my job and got my real estate license and started becoming a full-time property investor. Hmm. And uh, my current focus right now is just house flipping while keeping an open mind for getting into rentals, maybe uh, multi-unit buildings. 
I have the down payment for a multi-unit building. I'm just waiting for the right building, kind of softly getting into that right now, just waiting for the right timing of the market. So you're doing fix and flips for 10 years while you had a full-time job. How were you able to pull that off? You know, a lot of it involved waking up extra early and then just kind of working it in. And with sales, I could work in things in between appointments. But a lot of times I'd wake up at 6 a.m., not get home till 9 p.m. During the last stage of that period, I was definitely working myself into exhaustion. Mm -hmm. So really nice when I got to quit the job and finally built up the capital enough to just go on my own. I would say the, the primary way I handled it was don't try and do everything yourself. Delegate as much as possible. I used to always try and get all the materials ready and there for guys. And eventually I just started saying, my time is worth it. I'll go ahead and pay them more. Like just, they get it there. Come up with some way of utilizing your time better. But primarily delegation was mm -hmm. how I got on. When you decided to quit your job and focus full-time on real estate, what was the milestone that you reached that gave you comfort to quit what you'd been doing for 10 years plus and then do full-time real estate? I would say for me personally, which this is not the same for everyone, because a lot of people really love financing. When I just had the cash to do it all, I just kind of wanted to fund it all myself. And I think that was the milestone. It also was combined with a really nice deal that I'll mention when you ask later, probably, unless you want me to mention it now. Yeah, let's talk about it. What was the deal that where you're like, okay, I got the cash and this is a deal that is really nice. So I'm going to focus on this and off I go. Well, essentially I bought this house in Pleasant Ridge right before Pleasant Ridge just completely exploded in property values. And I knew it was on the upswing, but I had no idea how fast it was going to go up. So I bought this deal and I was planning to live in it and just keep working. And then I fixed it up very nice. I mean, I put a lot of money into it, but I bought it for 90 and sold it for 283,000. Dang. How much did you put into it? I put in 90, 90, 90, actually. 90 rehab, 90 profit. It was the best deal I've ever had. It's never that good. That one, because I lived in it, I didn't flip it right away. So I didn't sell it right away. And it just kind of worked out just because the market just grew like crazy. Mm -hmm. I was yeah. really not sure about selling it because I wanted to live there. But I was like, you know what? I could just be confident in my own business plan and feel comfortable doing it if I sell it. So I sold it and it just made sense to sell it as much as I loved living in that house and the location. With the financing of the future deals, are you buying them with your own cash or are you using a group to help you get the initial financing for them? My very first house I paid cash for in 2006, spent 16,000 bucks. So I had a pretty good sales job and I did well that year. So I just paid cash for it. $16,000 was the purchase price? Yeah. <laughs> and then I just fixed it up and rented it out and got an equity line, which as you know, an equity line is a revolving credit line on a house. So you can mm -hmm. continue to use it. It turns you into a cash buyer because you can borrow against it whenever you want and then pay it back down to zero and do it again. Mm -hmm. And I did that with flips slowly over time while working full time. And so I was a cash buyer because of that strategy, my entire time, mm. I just kept using my cash only. I just, everything I made that was extra, I reinvested. 
over the years. I just kept reinvesting, reinvesting, growing the capital. You were using your cash initially, and then you would just recycle that. You'd use the line of credit, but then you'd pay it down, and, and then you just keep on using cash or the line of credit. Yeah, eventually I didn't need a line of credit anymore. It was just on that one property because mm. I just kept paying it back down to zero, and then I'd buy another house, flip that one, pay it back down to zero, buy another house, flip that one. And that's why it happened slowly at first. But I just wanted to grow it and see where it went. Sounds like it went up. It did. <laughs> like, you know, I flipped five properties last year, and I didn't ask for financing from anyone. I funded it myself, and and it's just kind of nice, you know? And why not use funding from someone else or a group that can provide that to you? I'm not large enough yet. For what I can get done right now, I can do it with the cash. I definitely want to keep an open mind for financing, especially when I start getting into bigger deals because that's one of my real estate goals is to, one, I want to do it at the right timing. I want to wait for another correction. So I'm slowly flipping to keep building capital right now and waiting for the next correction, uh, whatever it may be. It might be small, it might be large, but I'd like to wait for another correction and start getting into buy and hold. And whether that be a commercial building or you know, like a mixed-use building or a 60-unit I'll put a down payment down. I have the down payment for a relatively large deal right now. So I wouldn't say it's huge, but you know, I have the down payment and I'm sure there's financiers out there that will finance a commercial loan. As long as the building cash flows, that's really what they're loaning on is what I'm told. They want you to have the down payment and a building that has good numbers. Mm-hmm. Could happen. That $16,000 purchase price house, the thing that started this, how much did you put into it? <laughs> I was a rookie for sure. I put in about 60,000 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you get that money back out? That one was a rental property that I just held on to for a long time, but it opened a lot of doors because of that credit line. So it made up for itself. I didn't make a whole heck of a lot of money on that one, but it opened doors because of that equity line and cash flow. You were able to get a line of credit with that house as collateral? Yeah, essentially, you have to wait a year because they're always going to use the purchase price until a year has gone by. But I slowly fixed it up over that first year, and then I got it rented. And then after that first year, the equity line, the bank said it's worth $64,000. We'll give you 80%. So they gave me a revolving credit line, basically, on of $43,000, something like that. Mm-hmm. I had access to that 43000 bucks at that time. And as you know, everything was cheaper right after that market crash. So you could start getting some stuff done. And plus money I had in savings from the sales jobs. Yep. So that's what started it all. Where'd you get the line of credit from? Fifth Third Bank, just who I banked with. It was really straightforward and simple for me. You've done 18 flips over the last 12 years and five of them just last year because now relatively recently you're full time now. Give us a horror story. Clearly, you've got some horror stories from all these flips. Okay. (laughs) Some of these flips were rentals for a time and then sold them. But I bought a house on auction once in Blue Ash. And it was just crazy. There was like everybody was there. The owners had stuff all over in the basement. Everything was like stowed away in the basement. And you can't really get that inspected. And I don't do inspections anymore. I haven't done inspections on houses in years. 
I would for different situations later, but right now for house flips, I don't do inspections. I just cash, no inspections. But it was this property in Blue Ash. The whole basement was filled with stuff. I went through it. We're all there and we're literally bidding with this auctioneer. And I was younger and I don't know, man, I just got carried away and I didn't want to lose that house. (laughs) (laughs) So I completely overpaid for it. And then to top that off, when I, when I acquired the property after closing, the basement was cleared. There was nothing in there and there was structural work that needed to be done. And it was hidden by all the stuff. (laughs) I was like, you gotta be, oh man, you gotta be kidding. How did I get carried away because I wanted to win this dumb auction? I ended up having to pay a little extra for the structural work. And I'd say I fixed it up and I got a structural engineer in there. And usually I run for the hills when it comes to structural. But I got a structural engineer in there and he gave me a simple fix. And then I was very upfront and honest to people about it. Found these buyers. And of course they inspected it again and they asked for some money off. And I broke even. I was so happy that all I did was break even on that. And then another quick horror story was one of my tenants, their child was playing with a lighter and lit the place on fire. Everyone okay? Everyone was okay. That was the greatest thing about it was no one was hurt. And that was on Thanksgiving. Oh my gosh. (laughs) All my family was in town and I had to leave. Everybody ended up being okay. The insurance company took care of it. The tenants, I said, you guys can break lease, whatever you need to do. Just go find a place to live because I I don't want you guys to be homeless. So they found a place to live right away. And everybody was okay. Everything worked out. Insurance company paid for it. But that was when I was working 80 hours a week with this one sales job. That was pretty intense. Wow. Worth. (laughs) Yeah. Any lessons from working with a insurance company? when your house burns down? (laughs) The biggest thing I would say is you have restoration companies that the immediate thing they want to do is take control. Literally, they'll come in and they'll say, oh, give me the keys. We'll board up the house and da-da-da-da-da, you know? And what they're doing is they're taking control of your project. And what happens is you pay their markup. So what you can do is, as long as you talk with your insurance adjuster, In my case, I was able to become the contractor in that scenario. So because I had experience and all that, I was like, there's no way I'm going to pay another contractor to do that. But why does it matter if the insurance company's paying for it? Well, what happens is these guys just kind of mark it up extra high because it's insurance work. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it might not all be covered. You risk getting into a fight with the insurance company. Okay, got it. Switching gears a little bit, You were previously, you said your background is doing sales and selling various forms of construction equipment. Did I hear that correctly? Actually, it's a residential construction. I worked for Bath Fitter, I worked for Granite Transformations, and I worked for Kaiser Siding and Roofing. Okay, so clearly very, very relevant to fixing and flipping. So perhaps my question is going to be a bit obvious, but I'm still going to ask what I was going to ask. What are some things that you took away from your sales experience that you've applied to what you do now? I would say with sales, you you have to be adaptable. You always have to be available. It also helps with your networking, just being in sales. Sales, you're always talking to people. You're always in front of people. So you're, you're constantly networking, which I think helps in anything that you do. 
So networking has been important in this business too, whether it's for contractors, for labor, or finding deals, or being an agent for someone, mm-hmm. you know, made extra money being an agent for clients. I didn't see that coming. You know, I, I mean, I did kind of see it coming, but I, what I meant was I never got the license to be a full-time agent. I just got it to handle my own transactions and save money there. And turns out a lot of friends and family, just when I said I became an agent, they asked me to be their realtor. So it was a nice extra income that I wasn't planning for. So the networking and just being willing to talk to people really helps in many ways in any entrepreneurial business. What's your best real estate investing advice ever? I would say be adaptable and aware. I guess because it doesn't always happen the way you think it will, you know, you you have a plan, which is good, but sometimes you can get one track minded and get yourself deeper in a hole. And sometimes it's just better to move on or find a different way. The market is always changing. So what you do now isn't always going to work. Switching gears. And in my case, I used to do more involved projects and I still will do them. The ones where you're taking out walls and changing floor plans, getting permits and hiring the architect to help with the permits. I've done those projects, but you got to be aware of the market. Like right now, labor is expensive and tough to find. So right now I'm doing them quicker flips. So you just got to be kind of aware of what's happening. And you're never going to be perfectly right about anything. It's just nice to get networking. Networking helps you figure out what the word on the street is. What is everybody else experiencing? So that's why I say be adaptable and aware. And the way to be aware is reading books, educating yourself, or being networked with other people, and then adapting to that awareness. What is the market telling you to do? So one of the ways I did that is I had a property that luckily I bought it very cheap. I bought it right. And I could not get guys to show up. I would even take whatever price they gave me. I said, sure, I'll do it. And they'd say, okay, I'll get started Monday. And the next thing you know, four tries later, they're still not starting. And it's just dragging out and dragging out. And I was like, you know what? I bought it decently enough. I'm just going to mark it up and sell it to a bigger investor who has cheaper labor and more access to labor. So, and that's what I did. I made a quick profit. And then I didn't have the headaches of trying to get all these guys to show up. Yep. Makes sense. I had to adapt to that because for whatever reason, maybe it was the house being a big project. I don't know. Could not get people to show up. So I just said, all right. And so the group that I sold it to, they're going to do great with it. They're going to make killer numbers on it. They have everything in place to crank out a big project like that because it was pretty big. And then everything worked out. So they're going to be happy. I was happy and I moved on from it. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I sure am. All right, let's do it. First quick word from our best ever partners. Wouldn't it be nice to buy a piece of institutional quality income producing commercial real estate buildings for as little as $500? Now you can with Building Bits. Building Bits is a new platform where virtually anyone, regardless of income, can select a building leased to a major corporation with a guaranteed long-term lease. The $500 minimum with no upfront fees is available only for a limited time. There are great properties available nationwide with major tenants, so don't wait. Go to buybits.us today and pick your property before they're all sold out of the current inventory. That's buybits.us. That's buy, B-U-I, bits, B-I-T-S, dot U-S. The SEC offering circular is available at buildingbits.com. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. 
we profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. Best ever book you've recently read? Sam Zell's Am I Being Too Subtle? That's a great book. Very entertaining. Yeah, it is. (laughs) What's the best ever deal you've done? That Pleasant Ridge deal. What's a mistake on a transaction we haven't talked about already? I'll come back to that. What's next? Best ever way you like to give back? I like to make myself available for like coffees and lunches, just for anybody interested in getting into this and picking my brain if they want. I'm no genius in this and there's always more to learn, but if I can help somebody, I will. I've already had quite a few lunches with various like investors that are trying to get into it. At one point earlier in my 20s, there these older investors that I played soccer with, they had no problems just talking to me about things. And I found that really helpful. So it's just kind of, I hate to say it again, but it just tied back into networking. Yep. So that's kind of the way I like to give back, is just do what people did for me when I was younger. What's an area you're working on to improve right now? The way I'd like to improve is getting into financing more. Mm-hmm. I've not used it for so long. I feel like my knowledge base is not very strong there right now. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to figure out how to fund larger deals. So I think that's an area where I need to grow. And if you didn't notice, I replaced the mistake on a transaction with that one. So I just rephrased it for you, but with a slightly different angle. <laughs> <laughs> how can the best ever listeners learn more about you and what you got going on? Feel free to contact me. I can give out my cell phone number. Sure, of course. 513-535-6480. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for being on the show, talking about your fix and flips, the stories of deals that did not go according to plan, but all's well that ends well with the auction breaking even and the house that burned down and no one being injured, plus insurance company paying for it, plus working on the GC stuff yourself. And your approach for the one house in Pleasant Ridge, which is an area within Cincinnati. You bought it for 90, put in 90, and sold it for 283, $90,000 profit ish. So thanks again for being on the show and talking about this, your experiences. Hope you have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Joe. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out.